Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast, a ministry of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. All this week, for both our free and premium subscribers, we are featuring messages from the 2023 Bible Conference in Perth, Australia. The conference theme, Taking the Gospel into the Nations. As always, thanks for listening and enjoy today's sermon. Praise the Lord. The book of Habakkuk, chapter 3. The book of Habakkuk, chapter 3. And I want to start reading in verse number 1. A tremendous uh, privilege to be here, invited to preach, uh, and uh, believing God to help us the entire uh, week. And so Habakkuk, chapter 3, and verse number 1. I was reading about a guy called, I apologize for my pronunciation, Simone. Jose Antonio de la Santissima Trinidad Bolivar. And uh, no such thing as a long name when it comes to the South Americans. And so I'm going to call him Bolivar for short. And so he lived in the early 1800s and he spent most of his adult life contending for the liberation of South America from Spain and from Portugal. And uh, he's described as the most powerful leader in South America. He helped to establish Bolivia, which is named after him, Colombia, Panama, Peru, Ecuador, and Venezuela. I read a quote about uh, Mr. Bolivar, and the quote says these words, once the tributes and the celebrations were out of the way, South America appeared to lose interest in reforming itself, preferring to slide into weary lethargy. Exhausted after 14 years of unremitting violence and chaos, it seemed as if the very effort of overturning the colonial structure had left them without a will to build something new. Far from spurring a new era of creativity like the one that flourished in the United States, the newly won liberty gave Spanish Americans a sense that the hard work was behind them now and that the social challenges were too monumental to tackle, uh, that having made so many sacrifices already, uh, the people had earned the right to sit back uh, and simply take it easy. And when I read that, that uh, I guess gave me an incredible insight into the human mind, and that really is our minds tonight. And that is that in any project that we undertake, uh, uh, the great danger is we feel like we have done so much work getting to this point that rather than that simply being a staging post, the temptation is uh, at that point to sit back uh, and to take our ease and never press into all that God has for our lives. In the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk sees the danger And the Bible says he prays that God would revive his work in this interesting phrase, the midst of the years. And our prayer, obviously, as we begin conference this weekend, obviously last night and the seminars this morning on the way through to Friday, our prayer is that God would, if you're at halftime, If you're uh, in one sense feel like the hard work is behind you, uh, uh, you take a little break this week and get back to the hard work of building all that God wants you to build. Habakkuk chapter three, 
Verse one and two, the Bible says these words, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigeonoth, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Amen. Let's look first of all at halfway. Anybody here follow the American football? Put your hand up. For the three of you, you'll know the, you'll know the story. But the Super Bowl uh, took place just a few weeks ago um, over there in America. And uh, at halftime in that particular game, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, trailed the Philadelphia Eagles uh, by about 10 points. And at a half time, the commentators are speaking about the Chiefs and the chance that they could lose their second Super Bowl in three years. But one of the commentators made this statement after being soundly beaten in every facet of the game, something special happened at halftime that catapulted the Chiefs to a 38-35 victory. Uh, they said the leaders declared a confidence in the team's culture and process. Uh, they renewed their sense of vision for a win. Uh, they called for increased levels of energy uh, and they became world champions uh, of a sport they only play in America. <laughs> Halftime. Every player, every coach, every staff member, every fan, every sporting fan understands the importance of halftime. Whether you're winning or whether you're losing, something happens in the mindset of players when it comes to halftime. If you grew up in junior sport, uh, grew up in junior sport here in Perth, Western Australia, at halftime, uh, we get the one water bottle, we all drink from the same water bottle. Uh, we get the, the oranges. We get uh, little quarters of oranges. You look forward to the oranges at halftime. The magic spray, uh, they spray it on broken legs and they get restored, uh, the magic spray. Uh. But we all kind of had that sense that at a half time, we're gonna get the halftime spray. That's where the coach has somehow worked himself up into a frenzy after our lackluster first half. And he's gonna give us this moving halftime spray because he knows that we've started, it's now halfway and there's gonna be a finish and we wanna be in front when the final siren goes. Every relationship, every career, every marriage, every ministry has a start a middle and an end. We like to start, can you say amen? We like the beginning of things. It's exciting stuff. It's the wedding day. It's the wedding ceremony. Uh, we like Thursday nights and Friday night launches. Uh, these are exciting times for churches, launching churches, uh, for the people being launched. It's the start time. Uh, it's a great time. God's gonna move. Uh, nothing's gonna stop us. Uh, we really enjoy the start time. In Ezra chapter three, verse 11, the Bible says with praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. It's the start time. They see something unfolding. They're excited about what God can do. It's the start, but it's also true of the end. 
When the job's done, Zechariah 4, 7, when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. It's the start and the end. It's the middle years where the trouble begins. It's the season that's the hardest Nehemiah's rebuilding the wall. And in Nehemiah chapter four and verse six, the Bible says, so he built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Here the Bible says they began well. The people have a there's energy in the first half. There's energy up to half time, but the job's only half done. What will happen from that point on really is going to determine the success or the failure of that enterprise. It's not what happens at halftime. The danger is, is that at halftime we become content with what we could call partial victories and half job Harry begins to set in. People that just don't go through to the end. They never get the job quite finished. They're quite satisfied with half the job. The poster boy for the job half done is Gehazi. Gehazi gets the title and he's like an assistant. He's like a Bible study leader. He's like a servant to his pastor. And so he enjoys the title. And when the Shunammite woman's son dies, he comes to Elijah, she comes to Elijah and Gehazi and Gehazi pushes her away. Here's a guy that he's got the title, but not recognizing that's just halfway. There's a job to be done. If you're a Bible study leader, can I say becoming a Bible study leader is not the end of the game. Becoming a connect leader is not the end of the game. Becoming a pastor is not the end of the game. That's just a title. So he pushes the girl away. Elijah gives him a staff and the Bible says that Gehazi rushes ahead to lay the staff on the boy. But when nothing happens, when nothing goes on, there's no miracle takes place. The Bible says that Gehazi is strangely content with nothing happening and there's no further effort required. He's a half job Harry. If your, job, if your name's Harry this morning, you're gonna be, gonna be sick of that name by the end of the service. <laughs> but he's somehow, that, he's, I've, I've done what, I've got a, I've got a title. I've laid the staff on the boy. That's it. I'm done here. My work here is done. No, it's halfway. And Elijah has to come along and finish off the project because it's only half done. Can I say that if you're a connect leader, that uh, that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity for service, for ministry, for effectiveness, for fruitfulness, for ministry. It's an opportunity. It's not the end of the game is to get that title. The same is true of marriage and all of ministry. Can I share a couple of pet peeves this morning? <laughs> I've no doubt every local church pastor can identify with. And these are, these are disciples that do outreaches, but no follow up. I mean, they are a dedicated Dynamo leading up to the outreach. It's preparation, it's flyers, printing. It's, it's, it's a wonderful experience. Even the event seems to go well and people visit and get saved. And then that's, in their minds, I'm done. 
Saturday night, man, I'm finished. I need to take a three-day break. I need to get, get my batteries recharged. I've finished the event. Well, that's that. You're only halfway. The aim is not holding events. It's locking people in and making them part of the kingdom of God. Let me a second peep. After the outreach in the park on Saturday night, they bring the gear back to the church and drop it inside the front door. I'm going to feel that doesn't just happen in my church. And you go there for church, and you're tripping over generators, boxes of random flyers, you know, stuff's just there. Say, hey, what happened to the gear? Half time. Half job Harry, Gehazi's in the house. <laughs> we used to put core flutes, or we obviously do put up core flutes for outreaches. And I had the council call me and say, you've got core flutes up on this particular park. I said, uh, yeah, we have to get them down. And uh, I went after prayer up to that park there. I found core flutes for three years worth of outreaches. <laughs> that some moron has just taken, <laughs> he's just stuck the new core flute next to the old core flute and a double moron has pla placed a third one there. I said, no wonder the council's upset. We're blocking off the scenery. <laughs> if you put them up, you gotta take them down. And I have no doubt that in your particular environment, whether it be your marriage, your ministry, or a Bible study, or you're a pioneer pastor, you recognize half time is a dangerous time. That somehow in our brain, we settle ourselves far short of where God wants us to be. Some pioneer churches, you're stuck at half time. You've got 15 people, 25 people, 35 people, and uh, you haven't failed. The coach hasn't pulled you off, <laughs> put you on the bench. You're gonna be there for the second half, but you're not doing what's required. We're not sending churches out not to fail. We're sending them out to become church planting centers. Every local church, a church planting center. And even somehow you, in your mind, you've settled for a half job, half time, half finished. Then the words of Habakkuk need to ring true in your life. It's also true of larger churches. You plant one church, you plant two churches, those kinds of things that you cannot settle and rest on your laurels because in reality, it's only half time. You've got to forget the score and start again. There's a second thought. That's the half job. So Bolivar, this South American general was described as a fearless general, a brilliant strategist, consummate diplomat, dedicated abolitionist, gifted writer, an inspirer of men, but they say to some degree he failed to get the job done. With all of those you know, great qualities, all of those positives, all of those things that said, man, this guy is a general, he's a leader, he's a leader of men. They said the job that he set out to do, he never accomplished. And somehow at a half time, he just settled into that. And he's not the only person to ever lose the battle halfway. In our church calendar, these conferences are like halftime. It's not plastic chairs and one shared drink bottle and the magic spray. It's meal money and motels. Uh, and the coach's spray is obviously 
pastors getting up and sharing a considered message, an anointed message to inspire the saints. But there are decisions you're going to make this week that are going to determine the end of your story. Salvation, marriage, ministry, whatever it might be. There are things you're deciding this week. It's half time. And you're going to hear some things. You know, and the, the coaches are going to share some thoughts on how you can improve your ministry in the next six to 12 months. But you've got to make some decisions this week. You're going to win or lose this week. There's a number of reasons why people languish in the middle of the years. Number one is a lack of awareness. In the text here that Habakkuk is preaching there, he obviously is preaching to God's people because God's people were unaware of the danger that the Chaldean army opposed to them. And he's trying to get the people's minds off whatever they're doing and saying there's some dangers here at halftime that you're unaware of. You're not seeing the problems that you're facing for what they are, hindering what God wants to do. Back in history, there was a bubonic plague that struck between 1347 and 1351. They say the bubonic plague killed about 25 million lives, which was one third, a full one third of Europe's population at the time. The problem was they thought the plague was spread by the fleas on rats. And so all of their attention was on rats and fleas. In reality, it was being spread by humans. But where the problem lay, there was no focus on the problem. All their attention was given over here that made no effect and no attention paid over here that was going to give them the outcome they required. And sometimes for you and I, we're focusing on the wrong things, looking for success and missing out on the right things that will lead to success. In Matthew 13, 25, the Bible says that night as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. Can I say that in the whatever work it is that you are performing for God, the devil wants to plant some seeds. And if you're not careful, you're unaware of what the enemy is doing to thwart what God wants to do in your life. Sometimes those seeds, are, those weeds are simply people that the devil's planted people in your church, in your life, around your circle and they are there specifically sent from hell to stop you at half time. Sometimes it's perspectives. Like I said, I can take it, take my ears. I've accomplished something. I've not failed. And a perspective is planted there by the devil and you're not aware that it's a plant from the devil. And it grows and flourishes and bears fruit and holds you back. It can be personality things, character flaws, the demonic, whatever it might be. It's a plant from the devil. There's nothing so common as to people defending themselves saying, well, I'm doing everything right. Well, if you're doing everything right, then you perhaps see a little more. And if you're saying, well, I'm doing everything right, you might be doing everything right over here, attacking the rats and the fleas, and yet the devil's planted something over here that's holding you back, unless you become aware of that. You can wear yourself out over here and never approach anything that's going to bring you success in the long run. Marshall Goldsmith wrote a book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And the premise 
of the entire book was that uh, in whatever career, calling, a place of service, uh, he says uh, certain qualities in your life that have got you to this halftime point. Uh, he says you can't just continue to do the same things uh, and think that'll bring you future success. Things have to change. If you get stuck at a particular level, uh, that word ought to ring true for you. What got you there won't get you there. What got you here won't get you there. And there are things the devil does and plants there to stop you accomplishing what God wants to do. Have you stalled today? Is it half time? Are you prepared to ask God specifically, has the devil planted things in my life that have me stalled here that'll hinder me accomplishing what God wants to do? The second thing is not just a lack of awareness, but a loss of vision. You know, Bolivar, if you read his story, what had happened was he was a South American and he'd gone up into America and he'd seen the United States of America. He saw them prospering. He saw the economy. He saw the industry. He saw, he saw that happening up there in America. And because he'd seen it accomplished successfully, he went back to South America. I want to see that. What I saw in America, I want to see it here. I want to have that same kind of success. It's like he'd seen the promised land and said, I want to reproduce that down here in America. But he gave up halfway, saw it, began to contend for it. Uh, and at some point says, you know what? Maybe that's not for us. And South America remains South America today. I was reading about a church in Spain. They began building this church in 1882. The church remains unfinished 140 years later. They're hoping that maybe they'll get it completed by 2050. I'm not quite so sure. <laughs> if you've got not much done in 140 years, I'm not, I'm not excited about the next 20 or 30 years either. <laughs> Loss of vision. Part of Bolivar's testimony was he was crushed by the continued ingratitude of his former disciples uh, and he simply gave up on the vision uh, of a good future. How's your vision this morning? Do you still see in your mind's eye the kind of church that God told you he can build through your ministry? Loss of vision. Equal with that is the lure of lesser goals. Now, the lure of lesser goals is not to be confused with legitimate change in ministry or a time of redirection or a pivot brought on by unexpected circumstances. It is what it is where you had that as a vision and now I'm going to settle for this as a vision. I've lowered, I've lessened my vision. Every one of us, when we go out, our vision is evangelism, discipleship and church planning. Can you say amen? It's a mantra, evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. But if we're not careful, it becomes evangelism, fellowship, and church planting. Lots of fellowship, not much discipleship. Then it becomes evangelism and fellowship. And then the death knell is just fellowship. And now it's just you and your small group. We just spent a lot of time together. That's a lesser vision. I understand fellowship. We have fellowship, uh, uh, you know, where I minister. Uh, uh, but if, you, if you've simply lessened your goal, 
what God had called you to, but I'm settling for second best. That's not God's will simply because it's half time. You know, the 12 tribes of Israel, they went all the way through 40 years of wilderness wanderings. They got right to the very threshold of the promised land. And then two and a half tribes said, you know what? I can't be bothered going the next step. The the promised land, capital T, capital H, the promised land, the vision, the plan of God, the will of God for their life. And yet right at the very doorstep, I'm settling for something less. It's lesser goals. We go from world revolution to weekly meetings and content with that. Verse number one of our text in the Amplified says it's a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet set to wild, enthusiastic and triumphal music. It's a half time spray. Here's Habakkuk, you can get the bands up there. He's kind of revving the folks up. Come on, let's get back to the original vision. Let's get back to the original goal. When you got married, when you pioneered your church, when you began your ministry, whatever it be, get back to the original goal. Don't settle for something less. The fourth thing, the reason we get stuck at half time uh, is the laws of entropy. That is simply that we work so hard getting to here, we need to break some time away and we get lazy and distracted. Say lazy and distracted. I like the word lazy, I gotta tell you. Lazy, it just, it just sounds lazy. <laughs> you just get lazy and distracted. We just, we're just lazy. <laughs> As we worked hard to get to a certain point and now I need to take my ease. Ease up, kick back. Enjoy the rewards and the benefits of my previous hard work as opposed to pressing on into all that God has for our lives. Habakkuk sees the problem. He sees the people of God, they've started well. They started off with a nice bang. They were excited. But now he sees them in the midst of the years and they've lost energy. They've lost enthusiasm. They've lost vision. They've lost hope. They've lost purpose. He sees that and he knows if I leave them there, it's only a matter of time before they're, you know, down here somewhere. Barely able to get out of bed in the morning. And so he sees this loss of energy. It's the laws of entropy. He's fearful they may never again pick up where they left off in Haggai. The Bible says they started the temple, they began well, uh, but they spent 16 years at half time. Not 16 minutes, not 16 days, 16 16 blinking years. (laughs) Just ticking things over, half time. It's the laws of entropy. One of the things in sports, that uh, one of the words that came into the vocabulary, I don't know when it came into the vocabulary, I've, I've become aware of it in the last, I guess, 10 or 15 years, but the word tanking. How many know the word tanking when it comes to sports? The other two sports lovers, well done. <laughs> uh, and so tanking. 
So tanking is what happens to a team when they've gone through part of the season. And when they get towards the back half of the season, the team realizes, you know what? Uh, uh, we're not really gonna make the finals. We are certainly not to be contending for the flag. And when they get to that kind of point in the season, then they realize, you know what, there's a benefit to not excelling, but actually drifting back to the bottom of the table where we get some better draft picks the following year. And so obviously it's against the rules, it's against the law, it's against the spirit of the game. It's, you know, no one, no, but, but every team, when they get to that point, the danger is the players themselves say, what, what's the point? And so they tank, they train, they go through the routines, they play the game, they're involved in every contest, they're simply just never going to be successful because they're only going at half pace. It's tanking. Nothing harder to observe from a sports fan's perspective than to see a team tanking. Just simply going through the motions. And let me say, as a pastor, nothing harder to observe than disciples going through the motions. No expectation, no energy, no enthusiasm. Oh, they're there. They're in the prayer meeting. Shan da 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 da. They're at outreach, passing out a few tracks. Just going through the motions. Sometimes pastors are going through the motions. Preach every service, write some sermons, get the stuff out there. But in their heart of hearts, they know they're tanking. They're just hoping, they're beyond hope, something's gonna, maybe something, something's gonna change. Motions without passion. I read about another church. The first stage of Siena's cathedral was finished in 1348, but the cathedral was never completed. It remains unfinished today, 675 years later. Let that not be our testimony. Can you say amen? amen. Bolivar, one of the quotes about Bolivar, uh, they said he was much more successful at liberating countries than at leading them into their futures. Let it not be said of us that we're more successful at planting churches than seeing churches reach their fulfillment. There's one closing final thought this morning and that's hopeful. Say hopeful. Let me give you a couple of books. If you're a reader, you'll be well served by reading some or all of these books. One is called Relaunch. Uh, by Mark Rutland. There's another book called Turnaround Churches by George Barner. Another book called Comeback Churches by Ed Stetzer. And another book called Breakout Churches by Tom Rayner. And you begin to not only in our own experience in one sense of breakout churches and churches uh, uh, regaining their momentum, uh, but certainly as these guys have trawled the earth and looked at churches and church history, uh, there's hard proof and what I want to leave you with this morning, there's hard proof uh, that God can revive His work in the midst of the years. That if you found yourself to some degree described uh, in the first two points of this sermon uh, and you recognize in whatever capacity that you're involved with, it's you at halftime. Uh, the good news is there's hope today. You, you can revive your work in the midst of the years. A couple of simple keys and I'm going to close tonight, today. Number one, 
You need to recognise that being at half time is the problem. Like I said before, if we're not careful, we blame the fellowship. We blame our pastor. We blame our wife. We blame the fact that there's a, there's a fellowship church less than 10 kilometres down the, down the road. How can we possibly have two sets of revivals 10 kilometres apart? We blame lots of things. We, 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 we focus on lots of things, but in reality, it could just be you at half time. And all of these things I've spoken about really is you. Unless you recognise that's the problem, there is no hope of a cure. Not my calling, not any other excuse. This is the problem. I'm at half time and I'm stuck there. Number two, it's a request. Our text is written as a prayer request. As a matter of fact, some translations say this is the burden of Habakkuk. And you ought to be burdened that God would not let you be stuck at half time. And you begin to pray along these lines. Habakkuk chapter three, verse two, God revive your work in the midst of the years. Revive my love for you, love for your word, love for evangelism, love for discipleship, my love for my wife, whatever it might be. You ought to be praying and say, God, let me be burdened down until this comes true in my life. Recognize this is the problem. Request God to move upon your life. Uh, and number three, you're going to have to resolve this week to work. I know it's a four-letter word for lots of people. <laughs> work. You're not going to have what God wants you to have unless you work. There's no such thing as a lucky marriage, lucky kids, lucky finances. You're a lucky church. No such thing as lucky success. Uh, it's, it's, it's work. You see anybody that has any measure of success in any capacity of their life, I can tell you, you begin to dig down. There's work at the bottom of that. Give you another four-letter word. Hard. <laughs> Hard work. Give you another four-letter word. More. <laughs> one last one. Need. You need more hard work. You're going to make it happen. Sometimes the reason why we're simply not where we should be, it just comes down to we're just not prepared to put in the work. Just, it's going to take work. And sometimes we do some work and we reward ourselves and we reward ourselves so, so well, we never get going again. <laughs> Siren's gone for the second half. We're on the bench with the oranges. We got the spray. We're having a good time. read a quote that says, you are never going to find a successful man over the long haul where a work ethic hasn't been cultivated and recultivated. When Bolivar didn't accomplish what he felt he wanted to accomplish, he retired from office. He retired in April. He was dead by December. Now he was like physically dead, <laughs> boom, dead. If you're not careful, you retire from the ministry spiritually dead within a few months. It takes work. I like Benaiah. How many like Benaiah? First Chronicles 11, Benaiah was a mighty man with many exploits to his credit. He killed two famous Moabites. 
He climbed down into a pit and killed a lion on a snowy day. He's just walking by. I'm going to kill that sucker. <laughs> Somebody else might fall in. I, just, I mean, he's, he, this guy's a worker. Bible says he killed an Egyptian, a giant, 2.2 meters tall. The Egyptian had a spear like a ship's boom, but Benaiah went at him with a mere club, tore the spear from the Egyptians and killed him with it. I mean, that's my, that's my kind of guy. <laughs> that guy's going to have a success. He's a worker. You've got to resolve to work. And the last thing is revive. At some point, the word revive means at some point you revive. At some point, there was, a, there was a start. At some point, you got excited enough to propose or, or to pioneer or to be a missionary or to go into the local church. At some point, you revived. And it's this morning, you're lost momentum, you've lost steam, uh, then your prayer is, God, would you re let me recognize the power of my conversion uh, and my calling uh, and my convictions and help me to recover uh, and revive all of those things that I've since lost. Bolivar was nicknamed El Libertador or the Liberator. He died at 47 years of age, gave up, just gave up effort about 46 years of age, dead at 47. He only needed to recapture a small part of what drove him at the beginning and South America would be a different place today. I wonder what would happen in your life if you allowed God to revive his work in the midst of the years. That's all I have. Let's praise God as our brother comes. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.